Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran on this third Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, a few announcements before we begin our worship. Uh, first, you'll see the insert, but a reminder that we are planning our Zion Lutheran Chili Cook-Off next Sunday at 5.30. You're uh, invited to share your pot of chili with, with us, uh, and we will take a vote and see who has the best and spiciest Lutheran chili. Um, not spiciest, so don't. Uh, if you do happen to win the chili cook-off, we have a very valuable and unique one-of-a-kind medal that I will place around your neck and you can wear it with pride until the next chili cook-off. Uh, even if you don't plan to make chili, uh, come and join us and you can be a judge with us. Uh, a great way to beat the winter cold and the winter blahs. Uh, so plan to join us and have fun next Sunday night. Uh, a reminder that Bible study on First Peter will continue on Wednesday. Uh, if there's a weather problem on Wednesday, I will text regular attendees. I will also put a note out on Facebook if for whatever reason it doesn't look like we could have Bible study. Uh, also newsletter articles for February are due today, so let Rose know if you have anything you want to get into the newsletter. Uh, are there other announcements or prayer requests for the congregation? Right. If not, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your heart, quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare to worship. to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, 
to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. highest and peace to God's people on earth. God, your loving kindness always goes before us and follows after us. Summon us into your light and direct our steps in the ways of goodness that come through the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. A reading from Isaiah. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. We'll read responsibly of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
For on the day of trouble, God will give me shelter, hide me in the hidden places of the sanctuary, and raise me high upon a rock. Hear my voice, O Lord, when I call. Have mercy on me and answer me. My heart speaks your message. Seek my face. Your face, O Lord, I will seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not away from your servant in anger. Cast me not away. You have been my helper. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you might be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with elegant wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm not much of a fisherman. I have gone fishing quite a bit in my life. Uh, but when we go fishing, typically we would use a rod and a reel, right? We tie on a hook to our line, put some bait on the hook, and cast out the line. We try to entice whatever we're fishing for, the bluegill or the bass or the walleye or whatever, to take the bait that's on our hook, and then we try to snag the fish and reel it in. But on the day Jesus called his first disciples, that's not how they were fishing. Rather, they were pulling nets into deep water, and they were either chasing large schools of fish into the nets, or they were dragging the nets behind them to gather up whatever they could from the sea. And so for Jesus' disciples, fishing was not so much about that careful technique of convincing fish to take the bait. Rather, it was about scooping up fish out of the depths and bringing them to the surface. And so I think we can see parallels. That when Jesus says his disciples are going to be fishers of people, that the job of these disciples is not so much about convincing people through careful arguments that Jesus was the Messiah. Instead, in very broad terms, they're to proclaim the message and then allow their listeners to be scooped up into the kingdom. And the message is simple, that Christ has come to shine the light on all who are far off from God. All who, like fish, are in the depths of darkness, Christ has come to bring them into the light. He has come to transfer them into his kingdom of light, as St. Paul says. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew makes an illustration for us to help us see this point. Now, Matthew's Gospel was probably written first to Jewish Christians. And so Matthew makes a lot of Old Testament references, and some are not so obvious to us, but they would have been more obvious to his first audience. And so our gospel reading today notes that Jesus goes into the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And that might seem strange to us, and these are archaic names for where Jesus was in Galilee, in northern Israel. And so in Jesus' time, in the time when Matthew was writing, the land was no longer actually called Zebulun and Naphtali. These are ancient names for the land. But you might remember from your Old Testament readings that Israel was divided into 12 tribes corresponding to the 12 sons of Jacob. And so when the Israelites left Egypt, they eventually settled into Canaan, the promised land. The land was divided up by the tribes. And so each tribe got an allotment of land. So Naphtali and Zebulun were both tribes. And they were given land in the northern part of Canaan, the land that in Jesus' day was called Galilee. However, in the Old Testament, we find out later on in the times of the prophets that this land was the first to be conquered and absorbed by the Assyrian Empire. And in our reading from Isaiah this morning, Isaiah 
will go on to tell us that this conquering of this northern part of Israel was God's judgment on Israel's sin. And the people of Zebulon and Naphtali were carried away in exile in judgment because of sin. They were taken from the light of the promised land and given into the darkness of foreign control. And so Matthew quotes these verses in Isaiah, right? Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. And for those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. And he's making this point that the light is dawning in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come for all of those who sit in darkness. Those Jewish believers who were exiled out of their allotment of the promised land because of sin are now being scooped up into a new promised land, a new kingdom that Christ brings. And so for Matthew, these people, Zebulun and Naphtali, they're serving as an illustration for all of us of what Jesus has come to do. He has come to bring his kingdom of light to all of us who sit in darkness. His kingdom is meant to be good news to all of those who sit in darkness, who sit in our sin, who sit in the shadow of death and suffering. In our reading from Corinthians, Paul makes that very point. He says that everything he preaches is about the cross. That's what his whole ministry is about. And he says that's the true power of the message of the kingdom. It's the cross. And it's on the cross where Jesus wears a crown, where he is lifted up and elevated above the world. It's at the cross where we know that Jesus is truly king and what his kingdom is all about. And the death and resurrection of Christ become the light to shine into the darkness that all of us sit in. Because it's in the death and resurrection of Christ that the darkest place of all, that is the grave, has been defeated by Christ. Right? And so because Christ lives, there is light, even in death. So when Jesus calls Andrew and Peter and the other disciples in our reading, he isn't calling them just to be close personal friends or followers. Jesus isn't looking for friends here. But Jesus is calling these men to be preachers of that light. And so they are the beginning of the church, the beginning of the proclamation of this kingdom. Like heralds that go on before the reign of the king, these men are meant to herald the kingdom of light. And it's interesting to note, of course, that these preachers are not coming equipped with seminary degrees. Right? They're plenty intelligent, I assume. They're hard workers. But these are not men from the educated class. Right? Jesus doesn't go to Jerusalem, into the temples, or into Herod, Herod, Herod's court to find the best and brightest minds. Jesus chose his disciples knowing that there's one simple truth to proclaim to those who sit in darkness. And it wasn't first an intellectual message, but it's one that calls people to repent and to trust that Jesus was king. Jesus wanted his preachers, his disciples, to be able to speak to great crowds of people hungry to hear the message of good news, to hear that their sins are forgiven, 
to hear that the grave is not their final destination, to hear that there is light in a universe of darkness. And so these disciples are given, to job, given the job to cast out a wide net into the world and to proclaim that Christ is king and he has come to bring light. And then they're supposed to let the Holy Spirit, the giver of light, bring in all of those who have heard this message and to create belief in their heart. And sometimes that's not how we envision the message of the gospel or we envision what church is all about. So sometimes as modern people, we often think of being a Christian or believing the gospel as having as the choice of choosing one set of stories over another. And so in other words, we sometimes come to believe that we choose the story of Christianity over other stories because we think they fit our needs better. Right? Sometimes we think we decide to be a Christian over being an atheist because it's a nicer story. It's nicer to be a Christian, or it's more acceptable, or it makes us feel good. But what the Bible shows us is that this isn't really about us choosing a lifestyle. Instead, the biblical picture is you as a fish. As a fish, you're being swept up into a net and drawn into the light of Christ's love on the surface. You hear the word of God, you hear the gospel, you hear this message of light, and it acts on you. The Spirit draws you into trusting God, to seeing that light. The Spirit shows you who God is and what it means to love him. And then the Spirit begins to dispel the darkness in your heart. The Spirit begins to show you what it is to be gentle and kind and loving, faithful, hopeful, and patient. But all of it is God acting upon you. All of it, all of Christianity, all of our faith is about God scooping you up into his net and bringing you into the light. It's interesting, when Paul talks about his ministry, he's very clear. He says, I didn't come speaking in eloquent wisdom. He's saying, I didn't come to be a philosopher or a great teacher in the world. Paul says he wasn't trying to impress anyone. He didn't want to seem wise to anyone. Instead, St. Paul says that he has one message to proclaim, the cross of Christ. And he says that message is going to seem foolish to much of the world. But that's the one thing the church has to do. That's the one thing we come to church for, to hear that message that's foolishness to the world, but to us is light. And so the church exists to cast out that net that proclamation of the gospel. And to be a fisher of people is not to worry about impressing the world. It's not to worry about trying to be dignified. To be a fisher of people is to proclaim the good news that Jesus has come for the forgiveness of our sins. That message is the power of God to us who are being saved. That's the message that shines light into the darkness of the whole world. That's the good news that brings light into our very own hearts. You are being scooped up into the nets of Jesus' kingdom of light. The message is so hopeful even and so powerful that Andrew and Peter and the others are willing to leave their livelihoods, willing to leave their families to proclaim it and to share it. 
They're so confident that Jesus has the light that's going to shine into the darkness of the world. They're going to leave everything behind to share it. And it's the same message of hope for us today. Just as it was to those fishermen in Galilee 2,000 years ago, the news of Jesus Christ coming into the world to be our light, to forgive our sins, that is the message of hope. And so through Jesus Christ, God is scooping you up into his net, his net, which is light, life, and salvation. And so all of us who were once lost at sea, all of us who sat in the darkness of sin and death and suffering, we are now made part of his kingdom of light. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and died. He ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord of all nations, your Son became flesh to enlighten a world darkened by sin with his grace. Visit us with his gifts of forgiveness and life, that our way may be glorious with his salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty Lord, your Son's cross and crucifixion is folly to this world, but is the source of hope for all who believe. Preserve the preaching of the cross in our midst, that from this life-giving tree we may continue to receive your faith-preserving gifts. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you have called us to be united in the same mind and judgment in the name of our Lord. Preserve us from divisions and quarreling wrought by false teachings and cults of personality, and instead fix our eyes on the word of the cross, which is our hope. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son as the Savior of the world, that all the families of the nations might worship before you. Bless the families of this congregation with your grace and protection, that they might remember you in both joy and trouble and worship before you forevermore. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, all kingship belongs to you. Rule over the nations for the good of your people and guide and direct our leaders, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, that we might live in peace. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, your son welcomed the sick, the afflicted, and those oppressed, and healed them. Have mercy upon all whom we bring before you in prayer, especially Sandy, Owen, Charlie, Ron, Barb, Judy, Amanda, John, Marilyn, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Lisa, Joyce, and deliver them according to your gracious will. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands as our high priest. Gather us together from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, and graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.